What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. How are you? My name is Imran. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, massively appreciate your time and your company for our shows. Um, before we jump into today's episode, I just want to issue a quick reminder that the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that broadcasts from London. And uh, it's very, very fortunate to host shows from uh, across the whole wide world. Uh, shows from London and various parts of the UK. We have shows from Paris, France, Denver, Colorado, San Jose, California, Melbourne, Australia, uh, Niigata, Japan. So we have a brilliant, uh, really inspired global perspective um, and uh, passion and shared passion for kind of celebrating contemporary, innovative and inspired soul, jazz, funk and Latin music. So we'd love for you to check us out at blueingreenradio.com you'll find um, our 24 hours a day uh, seven days a week radio stream you can tune in at any point you can find a whole host of reviews and interviews and you can also find the full backlist catalog of our podcast series uh, which you're listening to right now uh, and uh, moving on to today's episode it finds us in the distinguished company of two incredible incredible musicians uh, in Chris Beswick and Kishon Khan primarily here as representatives of uh, the group Archie the Goldfish however uh, you know we, we could have lengthy episodes on each and everything that they each has achieved as musicians uh, in their own right so it's um uh it, yes it's it's a great uh distinction for us to be able to share this time with uh, with each of these artists today so uh background on archie the goldfish is a project set up by guitarist chris uh bestwick uh based in helsinki and uh trumpeter graham flowers based in london in the uk and the debut release from Archie came at the tail end of 2020 with uh, the EP Hidden Depths. Uh, like seven months later, it was followed with the amazing uh, project Water and Light. And uh, 2022, they've just released the uh, first single, uh, Begin Again, and hopefully the first of several singles due in this year. Uh, the Water and Light project saw the introduction of Kishon Khan on keyboards, as well as the introduction of a new record label, home in the revered uh, funky wala records which is a label set up by kishon khan and justin thurger who's a musician as well uh, in his own right so uh they're a label with an incredible history and incredible lineage and archie the goldfish is just such a wonderful fit to everything that that label is trying to uh convey with its with its artists and its roster so there's clearly a lot to talk about and I was uh, very excited to kind of spend time with uh, with Chris and Keyshawn to discuss each of their uh, their own their musical endeavours uh, the, the Archie the Goldfish project as a whole and uh, and also music in today's market so I think their insight uh, is really invaluable and uh, uh, they, they provide a really interesting perspective on kind of what it is to release music in this sort of uh, modern digital streaming culture. And uh, yeah, I hope you'll enjoy uh, the episode and uh, their, 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 their thoughts and um, perspectives on the uh, process. <laughs> um, regular listeners of the podcast will know we feature two songs per episode. We have a wonderful song to close the show picked by our guests. And I have the luxury of picking the opening number. And I think we'll go with the current uh, Archie the Goldfish single entitled Begin Again it's a beautiful song and uh, a lovely introduction to the band uh, as well Nadia Basurtu on vocals doing a fine job uh, as well as she's also the vocalist for their Water and Light EP which I wholeheartedly recommend you go back and listen to as well as the Hidden Hidden Depths project that preceded it so uh, there's lots of stuff for you to get into on our description we'll include as much links uh, as possible to each of the artists uh, concerned and uh, you can play uh, catch up 
as and how you need to thanks very much for tuning in once again i very much hope you enjoyed the episode a massive thanks to our guests chris and Keyshawn. and uh without further ado friends hope you enjoy the episode
this is I've been very excited for the, the kind of chance to kind of uh, just to, to talk all things uh, Archie, all things music, uh, all things uh, funky Walla uh, as well. So I, I very much appreciate your time. So thank you so much for, for hanging out for a little bit. Thanks for having us. Pleasure, yes. Thank you for having me. Um, oh, you're very kind. How, uh, how, how are you both? Um, I mean, we're, I guess, geographically, where are we? I'm, I'm in London. Uh, Keyshawn, I believe you're, are you, you're London-based I'm as well, London, is that right? That's right, yeah. I'm in North London. You're in London. And we have uh, our representative from Helsinki uh in chris is that correct yeah that's right i'm sitting here in freezing cold helsinki <laughs> is that, you know? that was going to be my question we're in inverted commas sunny uh london at, at the moment which is it's a bit gray it's a bit overcast but uh um but yeah it's you're in freezing cold conditions is that right yeah it's no it snowed on sunday so it's uh it didn't oh, wow. it didn't settle but it kind of snowed again it's it's minus degrees this week, freezing wind. So I was really glad to hear that England had cooled down as well. It kind of right. cheered me up no end. <laughs> You're Why not should pizza? I sit on it. my own? <laughs> Is that a standard for this time of year in Helsinki? Yeah, just, it, it, we're, we're just kind of a whole season behind. I was back in the UK a few weeks ago for my mum's birthday and it was spring and I was... I felt like something from a Disney film. I was just wandering around, <laughs> listening to birds and smiling at people and looking at flowers and stuff. And then I came back here and it's just, it's just winter still. But anyway, oh. getting there, it's light. You can see the snow really clearly now. Right. <laughs> um, um, I, positivity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are the summer? I saw, we're talking about the weather, it's just the most UK thing in the world to do. But uh, what, is the, what are the summers like in Helsinki out of interest? They can be really nice because it is very, very light here. Um, so by June, it's kind of, well, I mean, you know, I'm in Helsinki, so I'm in the south of Finland, but it's almost kind of day round sun, uh, daylight. So there's just a few right. hours of kind of dusk uh, in the middle of the night. Um, but the, the heat doesn't necessarily follow along with the light. But last year was a really lovely summer, but it's still very short. You wait kind of eight months of the year for, you know, a couple of months that might be pleasant in the summer and then a couple of months either side of that which are kind of you know still a bit dodgy but it, it can be good sounds very much like london nah everybody <laughs> says that who doesn't live you know, <laughs> all, all the people here say yeah but the weather's pretty much the same in the uk and i'm going no it isn't it's, <laughs> it's you know it's 20 degrees last week or whatever and it hasn't been 20 degrees here since last july or something so right very fair enough, fair you're, enough. Sig- you're significantly no more no up north so yeah, it was surprising. I looked on the map the other day for something. We, we're kind of north of Oslo and places. And you kind of, I, I never really quite realized how far north we are. And we're at the very south of Finland, obviously. So, yeah. Anyway, don't get, me, if, don't get me started on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, where, where are you guys sort of um, from a, like a, a quarantine perspective? I mean, how, how, how was it? over in Helsinki in, in, in that period for you? I mean, was there a, 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 a lengthy lockdown period or anything like that? Yeah, there's been lots of varying length periods of lockdown. They haven't been kind of full lockdown like they were in the UK, apart from right near the start of the whole thing. But there's been lots of kind of restaurant and bar restrictions, and that's had a knock-on effect on all the music venues, most of which are licensed, obviously. Um and, and many of which didn't bother opening because they would have had to close by 7 p.m. or something. Since, right. since Christmas, there was a, there was quite a long period where they couldn't serve alcohol after 5 p.m. or something. So it was it, it wasn't it hasn't been terribly onerous. It just means you haven't been able to kind of socialize and get out as much as you'd have liked to escape the rest of the situation. But the numbers have been far lower here, and the the deaths and the illnesses have been far lower. Um, so we've been, it's been a, a lucky place in some respects to have spent right. this time. Right. Keyshawn, very different uh, for us, uh, London-based. I mean, how how was that, that quor- those, well, the, I think we've had two fairly lengthy quarantine periods, haven't we? How, how has that period been for you? It was a nightmare two years um, mm. where it was back to sort of teenage incomes. So for, for two years, it has been really horrendous. Since last May, it's been an uh, sort of an unequal lottery. So I've been, it's been back to normal. In fact, it's been almost busier than normal since last May in London for me. But it's just, it's based on luck, not quality. So I still know a lot of mu- great musicians who aren't working enough. Mm. Uh, so it's just, it's, just, it's but... 
you know, I think I don't think we've had a lockdown here compared to other parts of Europe that I speak to friends who live in. You know, here it's yeah. actually you don't see people wearing masks. <laughs> it's, right. it's been very relaxed in London, to be honest. Uh, which has been quite scary if you've got vulnerable people close to you. Mm. Um, but I can't complain personally. At the moment, since last May, it's been kind of back to normal. Uh, from a from a creatively sorry creativity uh sort of well actually i I think i already have the answer for this Uh, i was going to say how how was it from a like a music making uh perspective sort of being locked away uh you know not being able to experience things in the way that would perhaps um, inspire music from just jamming with with friends or going out and experiencing sort of life as an everyday thing or like a nice holiday or anything like that having that taken away does that impact you guys creatively i imagine i i I say i know the answer chris I, i imagine it didn't because that lockdown period is what inspired archie in the first place is that right yeah it is i mean or, you know, different things inspire musicians in different ways, obviously. I, mean, I think we were very fortunate. Um, for example, my mum's a painter and she just painted through the whole lockdown. And I think musicians have just made music one way or another. And obviously you, it's sort of a way of processing all the emotions that you felt in this really confusing time. So I think we've been very unlucky in some ways that obviously it's one of the um, creative industries that's been, been most badly affected, but we've also had an outlet to express the frustrations mm. of having all these restrictions and so on. So, yeah, it's been a very mixed bag. Obviously, you, it would have been much better had it not have happened. But it was great to, to have an opportunity to make music and and to make it in different ways and to reconnect with friends I hadn't been in touch with for ages. I mean, I've been out of the UK for. 16 years I think in, in different countries so to be able to reconnect with Graham initially who we started the project with and, and then with Keyshawn afterwards uh, we've all known each other for years and, and hadn't made music I haven't uh, Graham and Keyshawn have but I haven't made music with these guys for years so it was a very uh, nice way of reconnecting and, and building a community in the midst of all these difficulties yeah I think Keyshawn how was it for you did you kind of was was Archie like when it was presented? Was this like yes, this is exactly what I need right now, or were you already in quite a, a, a you know a good creative kind of flow? I mean, it, it, for me, it was a mixed bag. I think for those of us lucky enough to have recording setups at home, uh, suddenly there was an opportunity. So suddenly, the reason we wouldn't see Chris as much as we want to is really just because of geography. But then with all of us stuck in our homes, geography didn't make a difference. <laughs> and so that it, it ended up being an opportunity to reconnect. Um, and so I, I, that's kind of what I spent my whole time doing is recording for others. Oddly, I didn't, I wasn't so creative for my own projects, but I it did allow me to reconnect with lots of musicians around the world and get involved in that way. Um, so yes, I, I can't complain, and I I managed to reconnect with my record collection, which is I thoroughly, oh, yes, thoroughly enjoyed. What a brilliant way of putting it that when you're locked at home, geography doesn't make a difference. What a genius kind of perspective. I always say the world's a lot smaller from behind a computer screen, and you're right. Everyone's locked away, but then now everyone is sort of the same distance apart now, aren't they? Precisely. Yeah. <laughs> It's finding sil- yeah. silver linings where you can. I think. <laughs> yeah, I've had kind of a lot of conversations with with um, kind of uh, artists and musicians and singers, etc., over this kind of period, and it's the, the 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 variety of response to that question is always interesting because there are people who just sort of said it was from a creative perspective it was great because they could just write and and record and jam and create and but other people felt totally stifled by the the inability and you know the kind of the anxiety of what was happening outside and they just said it just became sort of wasted time no matter how much they tried they just couldn't inspire that spark within them to kind of create in a in a way that they normally would yeah i'm not just thinking i mean it wasn't an easy process i don't Mm. think for me it what i didn't feel in a state of flow making this music it felt like grinding it out i mean i don't mean in the musical results i thought they were amazing but it wasn't it wasn't sort of an easy joyful process it was it was a sort of 
catharsis and an escape and a sublimation and all these kind of quite difficult emotions going through making the music. So I can understand why people have, yeah. have, have, have been completely mentally blocked. I know other people sort of almost started new careers of live streaming and doing, right. doing yeah. all these kinds of things that, that I, I didn't sort of get into at all. So everybody approached it in different ways. Yes, that's right. Obviously, the, the kind of the industry response to it with like Bandcamp Fridays and streaming and tip jars and things like that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, there was it was sort of it was an, a lot of people took inspirational ways, inspired ways to kind of represent themselves and keep themselves out there, didn't they? So, yeah, I think yeah, so, sure. I mean, Keyshawn had a Keyshawn did a, a great live stream from Ronnie's. I don't know if you saw that one. That was no, I didn't. What was that? Well, Ronnie's were putting on these little live streams, but what was interesting yes. about that is. It's the first time, you know, we got together as a little late piece and it's the first time we'd just been with another group of people and the gig was joyous just because we were all together. So I think the real challenging thing for everyone was just cabin fever, not seeing your friends Mm. and not having that social side of music. Um, so, So it is nice connecting with people virtually but there's nothing like actually sitting down with someone and having them next to you. Yeah. Um, so I think that was the challenge really is, is, is more a mental health issue of not just feeling isolated from the world. Sure. But yeah, at the same absolutely. time, the other side of that coin is then suddenly projects were a little lifeline. So even though you can't hang out, you are connecting with people. Hmm. Uh, and Zoom was very useful just to see people's faces. Um, so yeah. things, things like that. Uh, you mentioned that you guys have known each other for, for for years now. How how long have you guys known each other? Do you remember where where what circumstances you first met? Was it on a like performance based sort of environment or anything like that? Or I don't, I don't remember the exact sort of place, but I think it was about twenty five years ago. I think it was kind wow. of nineteen ninety seven around the Soho scene. Yeah. Um, yes. Would you say, Keyshawn? Yes, I, I think it was then. It was, it was like. It was in the late to mid mid to late nineties. You were playing in a band with my flatmate, who I went to university with, uh, and I mean, for me, I felt I was just starting starting off getting involved in the wider musical community. So, so meeting Chris was, and, and 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 a whole bunch of musicians who were all still in touch with each other. It's kind of it's at, at the earlier side of our careers. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was really, but it was. It was a great scene. I'm not quite sure why it was or how it was, but there were. There seemed to be jazz gigs everywhere, or jazz related. You know, we were playing in a sort of salsa band, but improvised music related gigs all over Soho at that point in all the pubs, all the bars, and there were, there were a couple of guys very involved in booking all that scene, and there was a good jam session. Um, so I think we just kind of all hung out and jammed and played and. Did pick up gigs with each other, and but we yeah. we were all that age where all we wanted to do was meet new musicians and play. So we yeah. just had so much energy. So it was a particularly great time, um, but which is also related to just the age we were. <laughs> do you not approach it with that level of enthusiasm now? Or? The, the equal enthusiasm is just sometimes you're busier doing formal mm. gigs. Whereas right. when you're younger, you're just far more, your head is, I want to try everything. Right. And now I'm maybe, I don't know, I'm not, I can't speak for Chris, but I'm a little bit more guarded just with my energy because there's not enough hours in the day to do what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know, Chris. <laughs> well, I'm just in an entirely different environment because I'm, you know, I'm in Helsinki and not, not really part of the, the scene that's happening here. So all my music's been, you know, made virtually or collaboratively or when i've been living in countries outside of helsinki outside of finland and that kind of thing so but also yeah i think there's there's definitely a jam session scene here and i I absolutely don't have the energy to get involved in it it's just (laughs) literally you go along and there's i went to all in the summer it was brilliant the standard is really really high but there was a queue of sort of six or seven guitarists queuing up by the piano for their turn to play uh, and they're all kind of recent graduates from the, the academy here and stuff you know conservatory here and i just thought i really don't want to do this <laughs> so <laughs> I, felt, I felt so kind of you know old and kind of jaded by the whole thing but I thought, there is nothing to be gained from me getting up there and, and playing you know giant steps with nobody listening because everyone's waiting for their turn to play so it's <laughs> yeah strange 
<laughs> does um you kind of your each of your contact with uh graham kind of come along in that same vein of you know but that mid-90s soho scene as you said yes exactly yeah I, I mean yeah we i the the same band that uh, Keyshawn's flatmate Simon was playing in, Graham was playing in that band from time to time. So yeah, it was all part of the same scene. Graham is uh, is younger still, so he he was really fresh on the scene. He was he was kind of prodigiously talented even when he was kind of nineteen or something. So he he suddenly mm-hmm. he was playing with everybody almost straight away. Yeah, I mean, Amazing. Graham Graham is such a talent. So re- right from a young age, he was the baby of our of my band. Uh, who we'd always kind of giggle at and, and but be blown away by his by his musicality so it was so you know it's a joy meeting people like him it's very encouraging for our scene i think having Amazing. characters like that on it so how did the conversations obviously um from i think it was 2020 when uh sort of the first archie project is sort of unveiled uh, to the world with uh, hidden depths um, how, how did conversations start to, to to kind of do something so, you know, uh, to, to, to kind of create this project under these circumstances as well? What made you kind of say, let's this is the time to kind of do this? Was it conversations you had had for a while before then or was it sort of a spontaneous let's do this now sort of thing? It was um, I'd, I'd just like a week before the pandemic started, I'd, I'd moved back from The Hague where I'd been living for a couple of years. And before that, I'd been in Kosovo for a few years. So I'd been out of Helsinki for sort of four or five years when I moved back here. Um, and then suddenly everything just went into, you know, lockdown. Um, and I did uh, some online recording with some friends from The Hague, including Nadia, the singer. And I just asked Graham if he wanted to put uh, put some horns on that. Um, and it was just it was just for fun. It was, you know, we, we did put it out on Bandcamp, but with no expectations of doing anything we didn't promote it or do anything it was just a laugh um and then years ago graham had uh, led a project and we'd we'd done some recording um and it was really good it was Gwilym Sing simcock on keyboards and various people involved and it was just it was a really good project and we thought well maybe we should put this out since we've just done some recording but he couldn't find uh, the masters he only had the mp3s and they weren't good enough quality uh so we said well what should we just should we just try and recording something um, just for fun and see how it goes? And then quite quickly, we just kind of developed that instrumental EP, which was the first thing. But we, we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know why we were doing it. It was just, well, let's have a go and let's try and get some other friends involved. Keishon wasn't involved in it at, at that point. So it was a keyboard player from The Hague, um, another bass player friend of ours from London, and we just kind of had fun with it. I, I had to listen to it last night for the first time in ages because I thought you might ask about it. And it was, I felt very much back in that uh, creative period of making it in that kind of early pandemic vibe of just kind of, let's just have a laugh and see what happens. Mm. But I, I found it quite sort of powerful to listen to last night. It reminded me very distinctly of that sort of uncertainty and what on earth's going on. The music feels quite kind of, questioning and uh, wistful in some ways when I listen to it again uh yeah I mean it's I totally it's really yeah it's an interesting I think when you kind of listen to music particularly knowing the circumstances it's been created and you do have a different appreciation for it um and that you know there are some suggestive sort of elements in the song titles and stuff like that as well I mean how is that kind of creating remotely uh sort of apart and certainly a question for uh for you guys as relates to the second project as well because i i don't know if uh like Keyshawn, were you with graham when you're kind of creating for the for the second project as well or are you guys doing this from three different locations if not more when you take in all the other band members as well it, it was all done actually from our hope so it was properly done under lockdown so we were all in our own locations um for me, it was a no-brainer just because they're all musicians I've known for years and I really respect. Uh, and then as soon as Chris sent me the music, it's like, man, I love this. So it was, just, it, was, it was very easy to get involved. But we weren't all together, so we, we still need to all meet up at some point. Yeah, we haven't, seen each other since we, we haven't seen each other since we began this project. I mean, Keyshawn and Graham have obviously seen each other, but we haven't, the three of us, seen each other. So wow. it would be interesting to do. But actually, I found it really interesting working in that way i mean you definitely lose something by not being in the same room but you also gain a lot you can spend a lot more time sort of honing 
honing the production of it. And you're still listening just as intently. You're just not listening real time. But as you build up the layers, you know, each person is listening very closely to what's gone before um, and trying to find the spaces and trying to find the uh, harmonic that's like the frequency spaces, you know, like really thinking, oh, you know, Kijon's playing low down, so we need to play higher up and this kind of thing. Um, and it's quite interesting thinking with that uh, perspective rather than just let's let's jam and get a vibe going, but let's really kind of focus on production. Um, and I think you can kind of hear the time spent when music is made in that way. Like I say, you you lose a bit of immediacy, but you kind of gain a lot of depth in some ways, I think. Yeah, it's almost two completely different outcomes or potential outcomes, I suppose, when you're kind of, I, I, I'm not, I don't make music sort of uh, myself, but I always imagine that notion of, you know, four or five people in a room and someone does something that they would perhaps discard immediately, but then someone else says, no, no, do that again, because, and then it, you know, you have that chemistry and it builds from that. But I suppose when you're doing everything remotely, you're only submitting what you're confident is a final version of something. Is that kind of right? Um, well, I wouldn't say it's a final version. Though. It's more like, you know, here you go, Chris, here are 20 versions. <laughs> Pick, <them>. no. okay. <laughs> Pick the ones you like kind of thing. So there's a there's a definitely a lot of back and forth and I, I try that. And, you know, it, it is interactive. It's just not interactive immediately, but there's still right. a lot of musical sensibility going on and, and back and forth and, uh, you know, a, a very you... mild disagreements, but much more right. positive. I mean, and, and not kind of, disputatious ones like what do you think of this yeah maybe try this oh yeah that's, that's great you know so it's, it's just mm, a really right, nice right. process of, of of doing it i i felt that you really prepared us me very well so i would actually approach each take where i just did a different live takes on after i'd learnt the songs uh, and then sent all those different live takes for chris to choose and then Chris would play around with those. So for me, I, because I was one of the later instruments put down, it was actually, it, it didn't feel like I was alone. It just felt like I was playing with everyone, but they just weren't in the room. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't like I just did one part of the song, then took a break and did another part. I, I'd, right, right, I'd, right. I'd record as if I was recording with all of them. Amazing, right. Um, yeah, and I can def- you can definitely hear that. To me, to me the keyboards are, the, are sort of, maybe the most responsive element on the tracks because they were done towards the end. So it's just kind of taking in all that information. And I I think the guitar parts, I kind of laid those down very early. So they're they're more like framework parts. Um, And I was kind of had my producer's hat on just trying to set a harmonic framework or whatever. I didn't really have the freedom to just go for it, whereas Keyshawn really goes for it. And it sounds brilliant as a result. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah, it's a wonderful sound, particularly that second uh record, the differences from the first. It's just yeah, it's it's a wonderful kind of progression, uh and or evolution, I think it's the kind of word I was gonna use. But I mean for for hidden depths, if I may ask again, the um you have a, it released via Ropadope, which is a wonderful distinction. May I ask how that kind of connection came about? We just wrote to them. Um, we did a lot of research about, you know, which which companies might be appropriate. We had no idea. We didn't really know what we'd made or what it was. Um, um, but we just listened to some podcasts and interviews that Lewis had done, the, the, the head of the label. And it just seemed like a really nice group of people, a, a great roster. Um, and we thought very carefully about all the things he'd said in interviews and stuff and very carefully tailored our approach to him, um, bearing in mind everything he'd said about what he wanted from musicians. And we just got a, almost, a, I think we got an immediate response the same day, um, just saying, sounds great, and let's talk. Um, and then we just spoke and sorted it out. So that, yeah, that, that was that was lovely to get that uh, sort of seal of approval from them, having not known what on earth it was we'd, we'd been doing. Oh, amazing. Uh, yeah, they are a great label and uh, they do uh, sort of champion a wide variety of of well global kind of uh, jazz and music and uh, it's, it was a good fit. You're absolutely right. Uh, the um, the Water and Light EP, again, sees, as we've sort of touched upon already, sees an evolution of your sound through so many different ways. We have obviously the introduction of Keyshawn. We have the introduction of uh, Funky Walla Records and uh, who you've mentioned already is Nadia uh, Baserto, who, um, you know, uh, vocals notably 
absent from uh, the first release. What was the uh, decision to add um, vocals into the uh, the project for Water and Light and going forward? I don't even remember the, the kind of the moment at which we thought, let's do something different. But I think we just thought, well, let's add some vocals. And as I said, we'd we'd done some recording with Nadia before uh, we'd started the Archie project. And I played with her in, in The Hague, which is where I know her, her from. She's from Barcelona originally, but she lives in The Hague. Um, she's just an amazing singer. And, and we thought, mm. I think we thought, oh, well, we've had something that's been released. So now we've got a bit more kind of, leverage is the wrong word i mean we've got a bit more to offer to somebody who wants to join the project we can at least say well there's no guarantee of where this will come out but we think it'll come out somewhere and we've got a sort of the beginnings of an audience um and also she was also at a loose end like everybody else and she was she was delighted to do it i'm so pleased she's just got such an amazing voice i i I really Mm -hmm. don't know many singers whose voices i like as much as nadia's at the moment um there's something about her pronunciation not being english and just the kind of the, the smokiness and the depth of her voice—it's it's, just—it's just great to, to write for. Yes, it's a, it's a wonderful. Uh, she has a wonderful voice, and she makes a great kind of inclusion to the the kind of the, the whole aesthetic of the group, which is awesome. Uh, so yeah, no, she does sound amazing. Um, and obviously, we have uh, Keyshawn's more formal introduction to the group, as well as uh, Funky Wilder Records. So, uh, Keyshawn, do you remember how you were kind of approached to kind of be a part of of Archie in this way? So again, I've known Chris for more than 20 years and I've known Graham for more than 20 years. So these were just musicians who I really respect music musically. So for me, it was a no-brainer when they asked me to play something. And then I agree, I, I thought, again, I came in late, so I, I heard Nadia's voice and a lot of it was already done. And for me, it was, it was very easy to say yes to be involved. Uh, I was loving the music. And Nadia's got a gorgeous timber, I think, um so yeah it was very there's nothing holding me back the funky walla thing was a discussion afterwards once we'd finished the music right uh so initially i was just involved as a piano player and then the idea of 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 having this house under the funky walla umbrella uh uh came about which is a a really exciting sort of inclusion to an incredible uh roster of of, of releases as well i imagine your funky, funky while that discussion came about just with me, Chris, and Graham just discussing the industry and ways forward to release. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Funky Walla was set up many years ago, really because the music industry has and is still has been changing. And um, especially ten years ago, you know, like when you were signing contracts, you weren't sure what you were signing and where the industry was going. Uh, and so. Funky Walla is really a response to this changing music industry. And there's a lot of us who actually think that it's a golden time in the music industry because the ability to record and release has become so much more affordable. Mm. And the reality is the music industry has always been the realm of very rich people who can afford studios. And due to technology changing, it's suddenly allowed a whole load of us to record and release. But if you release some music, you still have to behave like a record company. So Funky Walla effectively just pulls all our heads together as a collective. So we've got a better ability to release properly as a record Mm. label rather than what tends to happen is great musicians just releasing their music, but then not doing any of that work, which a record company should be doing. Right. Um, Do you, do you find those hats conflicting uh, in terms of if, from an artist's perspective, you think I want to make this uh, this record, and I, you know, I want it to be completely uh, free and unhindered, and you know, just it, it be what it is. But then you have that kind of label hat on, where you're like, well, this is unlikely to to reach this level of audience. A 15 minute song, uh, an improvised 15 minute song, probably isn't the best way forward for the Spotify market. Do you know? Do you find yourself kind of conflicting those sort of two sides at all? Not at all, oddly. I think that decision will is a natural issue when you're paying for everything. So really, <laughs> though, and sorry to be so blunt, but that's basically what it boils down to. If you look at how Blue Notes started, Initially, they were happy with selling 3,000 units because it would cover their costs and put a bit of money into the next project. And then they released a record called Sidewinder, which suddenly sold 10,000 units. 
And that put them suddenly with that pressure of, no, then we need another sidewinder. But so there's always been these little independent labels, which is, this is not about me becoming a millionaire off the artist's back. Uh, and that's really been the reality. The music industry has never been set up for the benefit of artists because it's been set up for the people who've put money into those studios and that recording set up. You know, I always say this sale, in 1974, the cost of a house was £4,000. The cost wow. of a 16-track tape machine was £24,000. So the only people wow. who could afford to take you into a studio to record, they'd have to put significant money into that. And so, therefore, the business model traditionally set up in the music industry has never been in favor of artists. So I think things like Funky Wall are just a natural evolution as technology moves on uh, for us to say, well, actually, no, we can suddenly make things very viable. It's None of us want to throw money down a well, so things have to be profitable. Mm. But you don't need to give something viability only if it sells a million copies. Right. You know, you, you're quite happy to focus on a niche market which still makes you profitable and then allows you to then continue your project and, and keep recording. And also the right. way you earn income is from multiple sources. And the benefits of owning your own material are just gigantic. Yeah. Chris, do you kind of have that hat on when you're kind of, uh, when you're creating or you're kind of trying to uh, decide on, on, a, on a focused sound for, for Archie? Do you, do you factor in things like what will connect with people or do you make things just for the, the freedom of creating? When we started, we kind of thought we were going to make something that was, you know, we slightly tailoring it to think, oh, what would people like? And maybe they would like this kind of thing. Um, but then we just, for the, for the second EP, we just ignore that and just made whatever we liked. I mean, we definitely kind of try and think of uh, an EP that hangs together in some way. And we're not sort of far out experimental musicians, I don't think. We, we kind of have got some, not commercial sensibility, but just trying to make something that people will like within certain boundaries, but those are the boundaries I kind of feel comfortable in anyway. So it's not like I'm, you know, forcing my, forcing myself in a certain direction. I don't want to be in. It's just kind of making music that we like and hoping that other people like it too. I mean, the funky one, I think connection for us was amazing. I mean, uh, we were really happy releasing on Ropadope. What happened at the beginning of 2021, I think it was, it's a, they, they've got a huge roster. I think they were releasing, one or two albums up or releases a week through the whole of 2020. Yeah. Um, and then in 2021, they sent an email around saying, you know, we're going to really slow down the releases this year and probably nothing for the first half of the year. Um, so we, we didn't sort of approach them at all with the, with the second EP. Um, but we were, which isn't in any way to say that Funky Waller was a second choice. We were absolutely delighted. It was really nice to, that Keyshawn offered the, and Justin offered the possibility of doing it. It's really nice to be working with people we've known for so long, um, with a smaller roster, um, with people, everyone whose music I really admire and enjoy. And it's just, it's just got that feeling of when we met 25 years ago, it's got some of that energy <laughs> of let's, let's just do this together and help each other out and cross promote. And it's just, it's a really nice thing to be part of uh amazing it, yeah that's a that's a nice way of putting it like it, it must you know feeling like it was or you know 20 odd years ago that's really that's a that's a great compliment to i guess for everyone kind of involved and concerned i think that's a lovely way of looking at it uh chris you and i had a ba uh, like a, a back and forth uh, a few months ago um i can't remember what the i tried to look it up on on your twitter i think you had put up something i can't remember what the initial comment was but we had a, a sort of a it wasn't on the messenger. It was an actual kind of response to a, a post you had made about the notion of uh, releasing albums uh, in sort of in today's market and uh, kind of being like singles as being something that kind of will connect with more people potentially. Uh, do you remember that at all? Am I, yeah, no, uh, definitely. Yeah, no, I do remember. It yeah, because I don't think I'm surmising it very well. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I think you are. Uh, um, it's just because we we noticed uh, um, if you release a five track EP you get all the stats of how many people are streaming the tracks right. and we've only released digitally. So it's, it's obviously different if you're releasing on vinyl or if you're releasing CDs, or, you know, mm -hmm. you've got a physical product, but definitely releasing digitally. Um, you see just this massive tail off in streams from between the first listens between the first track and the fifth track. Um, right. And I was kind of feeling, but I quite like the fifth track, you know, um, it's, it's <laughs> a shame that 
all the people who didn't listen to the first track also listened to the last one. So we just kind of thought, well, if we just release one track at a time, then at least, you know, people may get a bit further through that one track. Um, and it just, I think it's just a way of keeping the band uh, in front of people a bit more regularly. I mean, we haven't, I mean, we haven't met and we haven't played live, obviously, and it's going to be quite hard to arrange for that to happen. So the only way we can build an audience is online, and that's just really difficult. I mean, Keyshawn was, you know, saying it was a brilliant time to be in the music industry, and I'm, I've got a bit more of a kind of it was the best of times, it was the worst of times kind of feeling about it. It's fantastic for being able to create the music, but then to try and get it in front of people is so difficult. And as I say, especially to get them to listen to... 15 minutes of music, uh, you know, you, you're doing well if you can get them to listen to five minutes. So we just thought, well, we'll try this strategy just for the next few releases of um, putting out one every two or three months, just just to see how it goes. Yeah. And Keyshawn, for as a, as a label head, what is your kind of stance, I guess, uh, artistically and, you know, again, with that management hat on, uh, what is your stance on, say, releasing albums in today's market as opposed to uh, shorter EPs or standalone singles? I think it depends on the project. Uh, I mean, throughout the 60s, albums were collections of singles. And it's really in the 70s that you had the concept album develop. So it's kind of a tried and tested um, route to kind of just keep selling singles. I think it's streaming which really causes issues within the music industry uh, because it's just very difficult. It's not a good business model for musicians. Uh, so it really does create challenges. And I think that combined with not being able to gig easily over the COVID period really did, does make releasing uh, a challenge. But on, on the other side, physical sales are jumping up. And so there, it really depends on how much investment you can make initially into your project of how, how tough things are on the, on the side of promoting it. But I think all routes are viable. We should be trying everything. Yeah. You know, like videos. If you, and it also depends what market you're talking about. So if you go around the world, you've got, you know, in, in Japan, it, the physical still rules. Downloading and streaming is nowhere as popular as buying CDs and vinyl and physical right. formats. If you go to Asia uh, or Africa, physical formats are literally dying and it's all music is listened through the phone and actually the way to make money is by putting out videos so i think as artists we it's a combination of what can we afford in our business model and then who is our market it also depends what type of people listen to your music so if you you know if you're going for a teenage pop thing then the streaming services are, are terrific. If you're going for an, uh, a slightly more adult acoustic thing, then it, the, just releasing dig digitally is far tougher. But it's yeah. still important because it's a great starting point to get people knowing about your project and putting yourself on the map. It's just financially tougher to bring in and cover your costs quickly. They will yeah. get covered, but it just takes longer. So for me, everything is... It's basically you should try and use as many of these tools as possible, and it's a combination and permutation depending on where you're releasing and who your audience is. Right. It was interesting what Chris said about because I had a conversation with someone recently about releasing music uh, in today's market as opposed to twenty, thirty years ago, and you know the ease of someone being able. Uh, almost the ease of someone with no musical knowledge or background really to kind of create something in their bedroom and put it up on Bandcamp or SoundCloud almost immediately. Uh, you know, th there's unlimited worth in being able to just literally do that with minimal, minimal costs from your bedroom and for the, it have the possibility of being heard from anyone across the world. You know, there's the, the sort of the, the, the value in that, but obviously it's you're doing this in a market where millions of other people are able to do that as well. Do you think it's, it's harder to do that now then for people to hear your music now than it was say in the, say the nineties? Oh, it's just harder. The, 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 the difficulties are appearing at different um, points in the process. As Keishon was saying previously, you know, you, you had to pass through this 
gate of the the music industry and the record companies and the recording studios and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you don't have to pass through this gate, but once you, everyone's through the gate, but then everyone's through the gate. So you're still competing with yeah. everyone once yeah. you get through that po- point. So it's, it's definitely swings and roundabouts. I mean, it's, it is on the whole a great thing. I mean, the fact that we can, I mean, I'm sitting to you, sitting, speaking to you in front of the computer where I, you know, did my parts and mixed the bits. I'm sure Keyshawn's in the same situation. So the fact that we can kind of do this on re- relatively inexpensive equipment and, and put out um, pretty high quality sounding um, music is is amazing. But I, I just, it, it is exhausting, the promotion side of it. I mean, it's lovely talking to you. I don't mean this is exhausting, but the daily kind of <laughs> content creation you know, the, the whole kind yeah. of, you are now a content creator. You have to post in 10 second snippets and you have to, you know, that is genuinely draining. Um, and, I, and I think it almost has no worth. You know, I think this, the social media world is such a closed bubble. Um, it's just, it's musicians and radio stations and reviewers and everyone speaking to each other. And it's a genuine world. I mean, everyone everyone's really nice and supportive, but kind of, getting outside of that bubble to the people who used to be reached by, you know, major record stations, major record companies and all this kind of thing. That, that's, that's the tricky bit. Mm. Sean, anything? No, no, I totally concur with everything Chris just said. I, th- I, th- I think there's so many different um, levels of this. So like just the age group that you're, audience generally is makes a gigantic difference where your audience is based makes a gigantic difference what is positive about the moment is being able to have a creative idea get that ready put it out and then hopefully try and identify different niches which will love that and then try and find ways of of getting it so they can hear that but i still think there's a lot of old school things still in place and at the end of the day who you know makes a gigantic difference yeah. Um, but I still feel it's positive because, especially for people like me and Chris who've been in the business for a while, we do know a fair amount of people, so we can get started quite quickly. Um, I think if you're starting out totally, it's much harder. Um, but it's also exciting. You know, like for me, part of this is enjoying this process of creating a piece of music and seeing how people react and trying to slowly get it to as many people as possible. Um, and the only thing really which is difficult is the financial models. There, That's a different discussion. And I think streaming really is problematic for new artists just because it doesn't really provide a financial model where they can recoup some of the money that they've put into their project Mm. so that's a challenge without doubt um but not one that won't you know there's always been challenges in the in these industries and the fact that we can just put something like this out for me is terribly exciting (laughs) amazing uh amazing um it's uh we're kind of talking uh fairly soon after the release of uh the uh latest archie uh the goldfish single with begin again um which is uh, another wonderful um uh, it's a brilliant single a great extension of the music of uh water and light um is uh how 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 you know do you have any memories of how that that song in of itself came to be um it's really hard when you know to talk about how music comes to you i mean i just i definitely started with that introduction i mean i I tend to do a lot of writing away from the instrument these days because I'm trying to create good melodies. I think that's, uh, I try and create good melodies and then, and then harmonize them in interesting ways. So I often just sing, sing melodies before I go anywhere near the instrument. So, because you kind of muscle, muscle memory kicks in if you start playing and then you just, you're doing something different. So I definitely remember singing the introduction, that single with, with no words, just with, with kind of nonsense mm-hmm. lyrics. And then you just kind of, build i mean it's just it's just getting started with with writing a song i think and once you've got started it's just then it's just craft um Mm. how to develop those ideas how to contrast those ideas like i say harmonize them arrange them i mean i don't i don't think it's particularly difficult if you're a musician especially if you're an improvising musician like like we are because we're, we're we're writing all the time every time you play you're writing it's just doing it in a kind of slower more 
deliberate way. Um, so, yeah, I don't have anything particularly interesting to say about the writing process. It just, I said the other day, I, I was sort of having to fill in some pitch thing where it said, tell us the story about, tell us the story behind the song. And I just said, you know, I wrote some music and then I wrote some words. Uh, I think that's kind of how it goes, really. It's interesting you say that, Chris. Uh, sorry for me to butt in because what I found really lovely about Archie the Goldfish is it's got a very sophisticated harmonic sense. But my criticism of a lot of similar projects is sometimes people with a sophisticated harmonic sense can tend to lose a sense of melody, which you never do on this project. So it's, it's interesting that you say you start with the melody and then put a harmony to it because I, I think that really comes out in the music. It's got a beautiful sense of melody. Uh, and you almost, I mean, as a player, I was very quickly aware of how tasteful your harmony is. Um, but it doesn't sound complicated. But actually, you've got really beautiful chords that you're playing, Chris. So it's well, interesting that you say you write it like that. It really comes across in the music. And that's what I really enjoyed. Oh, well, thank you. It's, yeah, it's kind of a mixture. Sometimes I pick up the guitar and, you know, you'll be kind of playing melody and doing the harmony at the same time. But it's, you know, it's, I think the melody, the melody is what people sing. And if, you know, it's such Absolutely. a sort of trite thing to say, but it really helps if people can sing something. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. What, what kind of, um, do you have uh, plans for the rest uh, of the year? That, that will, I imagine there'll be Archie uh, singles to come sort of throughout the year is that right we've we've got uh one archie single um that uh we've done and we've kind of we're just kind of waiting for for a good time to release that um we've got another thing that graham and i worked on as a sort of archie remix um there's a, a band dusky that's uh, we know through rope dope it's a sort of welsh based band largely um and they a couple of the guys from that recorded a lovely album in a church and so it's just it's just double bass and uh, saxophone and they've just got this amazing kind of church reverb and they're just improvising tunes and I think they had about uh, 10 tracks that they recorded and then they sent it to different uh, people they knew to do a remix so we took we've taken this um, double bass and sax track and just kind of really chopped it up and uh, added rhythm, added Nadia on vocals again. Great. Graham is playing this amazing kind of, he's, he's playing like the whole Gil Evans orchestra parts on trumpets. It's just, it's really gorgeous. I'm looking forward to this coming out, but we have, we don't have any control over that. That's up to, to sure. Roper Dope and Dusky when that one comes out. And I've just sent a couple of new tunes to Nadia last week. Um, so we'll kind of be slowly slowly getting those together over the next few months. So we, we don't have any particular schedule, but, you know, one every, one every two months or two or three months, just, just, we're just kind of seeing how this approach goes. And then it may be that at the end of this process, you know, we bundle everything we've done on Funky Walla onto a physical release, uh, and then we'll have enough material to then gig to promote that release. We'll just have to see, see how things progress. Uh, that sounds amazing. Uh, that, that sounds yeah looking forward to kind of more more releases the remix thing you said sounds sounds incredible so i certainly look forward to to hearing that one as well um uh, my penultimate question uh you you may have wondered if this one was coming the name i had this uh uh intricate and uh, uh inspired approach to the formation of the name archie the goldfish uh and i looked at water and light as as this sort of perspective of archie uh, being a goldfish and their take on the world and then you said no that's not it at all <laughs> nonsense nonsense what are you talking about it's you true, fantasist you know, it's named after archie the goldfish <laughs> Is there an actual? Is there an actual physical Archie somewhere? No, there wasn't. It was when we were, when we were talking about the first album, me and Graham. We were just kind of, we were just chucking around styles, and I think at one point we were jokingly talking about you know mariachi trumpet styles or something like this. Um, and then I then I wrote a new tune, and I just called it "I Can't Marry Archie" as a pun, like the name Archie. Um, and then Graham had been sort of when we'd been recording, Graham had been thinking about how we pro we would promote it and for some reason he had these kind of aquarium underwater vibes in his head so we, we just we, somehow we just got to Archie the Goldfish oh it was because I had another tune as well called Goldfish Memories so we just kind of linked these two <laughs> we linked these two songs together and just came up with Archie the Goldfish because 
because we knew we couldn't play it live. Um, so there was no point calling it, you know, the Chris and Graham band or whatever, you know, nonsense. So um, we just needed something that we could hopefully attach a logo to and an image to. And we got this wonderful artist, Alban Lowe, uh, to design that Archie uh, logo and, and uh, album cover. So it was just, it's just a way of creating an identity when we couldn't promote it personally. I can't marry Archie as another great pun that completely passed me by because that's on the Hidden Depths release, isn't it? Yeah, oh, but you see, that's the, fifth, that's the fifth track, you see, so no one's heard that one. <laughs> oh, no. um, <laughs> I've heard it, yeah, but heard it. no, I totally missed the, the, the pun nature of it. Oh, gosh. And you had that before the name inspired. Very good. That is a good story. <laughs> yeah. It's much better than yours. <laughs> Mine had poetry to it, damn it. Um, (laughs) um, It's been so good. I've I've really enjoyed hanging out with you guys. I really, really appreciate your... uh, Your time and your, your, you know, your insights, your, 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 your perspective on, on, you know, just, yeah, on the industry, the music, music making and your interactions with each other and stuff like that. So uh, it's really been a a real pleasure and uh, it means a lot you guys took the time. So I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. No, thank you. I really Um, enjoyed it too. Oh, thank you both. Okay, kind. Um, We talked about a closing song, uh, which um, uh, we tend to close these these podcast episodes with. Uh, It could be a combined song you've both picked or a song each. Uh, We could end with a... uh, Is there anything you guys had a moment to consider uh, ending our our show with? I did. I'd actually... I like. I haven't told Keyshawn, but I'd like to choose one of Keyshawn's tunes with Loki Terra. Um, it's my favourite one. Um, uh, correct my pronunciation, Keyshawn. It's that um, "Am I Proshno Kore" tune from the, the Rickshaw album. Great. I, I, just, just a wonderful tune. It's just this gorgeous kind of South African style yeah, my, my piano playing one, to me, and I think it's just, I'm, just I'm a wonderful piece of music. Wonderful. It's a perfect pick. Keyshawn, are we, are we, I think this is a great one to close with, yes? Is there anything you could tell us about the song? Uh, so this is uh, an Indian um, song, which when I first heard, just the melody reminded me of my sister's married to a South African, so I spent a lot of time there, and it just reminded me of vibes I heard in South Africa. So it's just a very simple mix. But it's an old Indian folk song.
Rabodishahara Rabodishahara 